Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Are you interested in advertising with the Action Catalyst? Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com. Today's guest is Mike McFall, co-CEO of Bigby Coffee, the third largest coffee franchise in the United States. Mike is also the founder of Global Orange Development, as well as the author of Grind, a book which focuses on early-stage businesses and how to establish positive cash flow. Mike is guided by a simple business philosophy of be brave, be humble, be thoughtful, be aware of others, and be yourself. We hope you enjoy. Well, everybody, welcome to the Action Catalyst, where our guest today is Mike McFall. If you're not from the Midwest, you might not be familiar with Big B Coffee, but one day you will be. Mike, we're so glad you're with us today. Welcome to the Action Catalyst. Thank you, sir. It's great to be here. My uh, son and daughter-in-law got married near Depot in Ypsilanti, and I've had Bigby Coffee there. Oh, nice. Yeah, so very, very cool to, to meet you here on the show. You know, Mike, you've had such an interesting life. I know you didn't start off as an entrepreneurial mindset at all. You were more involved in golf, I think, in your college days. Could you maybe share with us some of the most important pivot points that kind of led you from, from that point sort of to this point, heading up such an important company with such a great philosophy? Thanks. You know, I I, uh, I think one of the things that really launched me into my into my my career, my life. Uh, I put the two of those; they're, they're synonymous, right? My career, my life. It's all the same thing. And you know, one of the things that I, I was really fortunate to to uh, take advantage of when I was young was I sailed around the world when I was sixteen. That was uh, on a on a square rig tall ship, and I'll tell you that set me off on an expectation around life being an adventure. <laughs> and, and so I, I started with that and I, I just, you know, really my philosophy and everything I do, everything I approach is I just want to do interesting things. You know, I want to wake up in the morning and I want to have interesting things to do today. I want to, I want to be involved in, in new concepts uh, that intrigue me and that are interesting. And, and so, yeah, I went through uh, my, my early, uh, my academic career. I went to a small uh, liberal arts private college here in Michigan. Yeah, I played golf uh, for for that group, and then I I left college um, after a, a you know a, a pretty moderate career. You know, I didn't set any any uh, any uh, records uh, with my academic performance, but I ended up going to Houston, Texas, and working as a straight commission sales rep. And and I've always said that if anybody wants to train to be an entrepreneur, take a job as a straight commission sales rep. Because the concepts are very, very similar. Uh, you wake up in the morning, you sell something, uh, you generate revenue, or you wake up in the morning and you don't sell something and you don't generate revenue. And, and to me, there's so much truth in the concept of waking up in the morning as an entrepreneur and focusing on selling something today, selling more today. And, and to me, it's the backbone of success of, of, of entrepreneurship. And you know, my company, uh, Big B Coffee, that's my business partner and I, our mantra uh, for over 20 years was we we're going to wake up tomorrow and sell one more cup of coffee tomorrow than we did today, period. 
That's what we did. And that's what we've been doing. And we've been focused on that every single day, right? So, so when I started in the business, I, I started as a barista in our first store. I didn't actually start the very first store. I started working for my now partner uh, in that first store. We were selling under 300 cups of coffee a day uh, when I started in that one coffee shop. And uh, today we're selling over 100,000 a day. You know, that was our focus was just let's sell more coffee, right? That's all we did every day. You referenced a really big pivot point uh, for my business partner and I. Uh, we were 15, 17 years into the development of the business, and we really started to lose our our inspiration around it. Uh, we were materially successful. Uh, the business was growing. The brand was was quite successful, but we were we were lacking some passion around uh, what the heck it meant to wake up every day and try to sell more cups of coffee. And you know it. it, it came to like, what's the point? Why are we doing this? What, you know, and, and, you know, for so many years at the beginning, it's just survive, just build and survive, build and survive. And, and then we had probably had this ongoing conversation for a couple of years around why it's just not feeling great anymore. And then I, I, we had this, I had this shaman in the woods moment uh, where uh, I was camping with my son and my brother in a very remote space. Uh, place here in Michigan. And I ended up meeting a gentleman completely by happenstance who was very involved in something referred to as conscious capitalism. I got to know him very, very well from that moment for forward. We hired him as a, as a consultant. And um, the end result is, is we still work with him. Uh, he's still an advisor of ours. Uh, and that conversation started with him and went all the way through to helping us determine and find the purpose of our organization, which is now what gets me up every morning. And I'm entirely fired up to go to work and do what I do now. What did become your reason for getting up in the morning? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that my partner and I have always loved about our business and our business model is that we're a, we're a franchise company. And so what we do is we support people in developing their businesses and developing assets that they can use and, and leverage to build their perfect lives. The business itself is is a tool or a mechanism to support them in in fulfilling their dreams and in living you know the life that they want to live and so um, that was the beginning of a conversation where it was like well why don't we do that with everyone we touch not just the franchise owners but why don't we make our purpose supporting you and building a life you love whoever you are in relation to you know however you come into contact with us so that would be employees at the store level, that would be customers, that would be vendors, that would be em employees of our corporation. Whoever it is that, that we engage, our purpose is to support you in building a life that you love. We don't want to define what your goals in life are. We just want to support you in getting to them. You be you and we'll support that, right? I think that's absolutely wonderful. Now, now Mike, I'm sure along the way, it hasn't all been smooth trajectory toward 100,000 cups a day. What would you recommend to be a good reaction if somebody's moving along in a good way and then all of a sudden, bam? Well, I think what's really important is to understand that everyone hits brick walls and hits brick wall hard, hits them hard. <laughs> uh, you know, and there, I don't know anyone that's done anything significant in their life. They can't tell you a whole bunch of stories of very difficult times in, in building what they've built. And so acknowledging that, that they're going to, things are going to happen is just, I think it helps sort of soothe the, the shock of it all. The other thing that I've always advocated is when you keep your mind focused 
on the end objective. So, so the end objective in my world, since I've been 23 years old professionally has been to own the Detroit Red Wings. Well, in order for me to own the Detroit Red Wings, I have to have a, a B in my net worth, right? Uh, you don't own a major sports franchise without uh, having a really significant net worth. And so all my life, and I'm now 50 years old, all my life, I've stayed focused on that. And I conduct myself in a way that that, that beacon remains a possibility. And so no matter what brick wall I hit, no matter what pothole, you know, I blow a tire out on, I always continue to steer my ship in a way that's going to reach that end goal. And, and a huge part of that is just never giving up, never giving up. And, and I've learned over, over time that when you, to build something significant, you need to look at it in increments of five to seven to 10 years not increments of quarters <laughs> or, or even single digit years. Right. So, so for me to somehow have big B go off the rails today, I'm not going to be able to replace big B again, quickly. It's going to take me a decade or longer to recover from that. So I better keep big B on the right path and stay focused on the development of big B. And so to me, keeping your, your mindset on that ultimate beacon of what you're trying to accomplish in your life is what helps you get through the very difficult moments. You know what I love about that? If the beacon is bright enough, you can see reflections of it even over or around a wall. I like that. If I know that I have to continue staying focused on that beacon, the things that hit me day in and day out, are they still, they're relatively minor. If that beacon's bright enough. Yeah, they're not going to totally knock you off the tracks. You may feel a little bump, but you can keep moving. Now, we're really excited about the book, the Inc. original book called Grind. I know you tell a lot of your story in that book. But one of the things that's really kind of curious, you talk about the idea of doing due diligence on yourself before deciding to start a business. Yeah. The concept there is that people spend an enormous amount of time doing due diligence on a new enterprise, on a new business. They study pricing, they study uh, competition, they, can, they study consumer behavior. They can, there's just a laundry list of things and people spend hundreds of hours doing due diligence. They leave out the most important ingredient in the success of their new business, which is themselves. Have you done the work to understand how you as an individual are going to impact the business? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? You want to leverage your strengths. You want to supplement your weaknesses. But unless you know what those are, there's no way to, to figure out how to supplement your weaknesses or how to leverage your strengths. And so that, that's this concept of you know, doing the due diligence around who are you as a, as a manager? Who are you as a person? How are you going to impact the business? And I put together something called the grind score. And it's a, it's a 24 question quiz that uh, you walk through and answer every question is on a scale from uh, one to 10. And, and so in the end, the grind score will give you your, an analysis of your strengths, your weaknesses. And the idea is this isn't an end all be all list of whether you're going to be a successful entrepreneur or not. What it is, is it's meant to start a conversation about the areas that you might want to take a look at where you might need to get some assistance and then the areas where you can leverage your own strengths to help grow the business. I like that idea of that due diligence on yourself because it doesn't matter what the opportunity is, you're going to be the one in it. Right. Now, a couple of other uh, key points you talk in the book is one is about gut checking your ego. Yeah. Anybody that will say the words, 
I don't have an ego. I mean, I, I'm going to run from that person as fast as I can, because if you, if you're going to say the words, I don't have an ego, you are not self-aware <laughs> because everyone <laughs> has an ego. Right. And so, but, but what it's about is understanding the ego and how it's playing in on you and your behaviors in relation to other people and the business itself. And so you've got to be able to gut check that and understand how it's impacting you and I'm impacting the, the business itself and the people within the business. And it's not about getting rid of ego. The gut check is, is understanding it so that you can manage it so it doesn't impact your relations and your business in a negative way. So that helps you avoid that, that CEO disease that you talk about. I'm the big shot. I'm the big boss now. I don't need any help. Yeah. Kind of curious. Do you have a morning routine to start your day besides waking up thinking about another cup of coffee? <laughs> my morning routine is I read. I just read. That's my that's my moment. And I when I can't, I it it sets me off in a in a weird way. Uh, so I wake up and I've always got something. I'm in the middle of reading. Uh, so every morning I wake up and I make a cup of coffee and I've got my spot in my office at home where I sit and read. And I read for an hour, hour and a half, and then I go make my wife coffee and I take her a cup of coffee. And then I launch into preparing for the day. And usually my kids are getting up at about that point. I've got four kids. So uh, my life's a little chaotic. I'm working on my second book right now. And, and a big section of in my, it's a book on management and leadership. And a big section in that book is about how leaders need to read. There's so much great stuff out there in the world that the smartest people in the world have written. And I don't understand why people don't engage that more aggressively. Oh, that's so true. You know, years ago, somebody gave me a copy of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I started plowing through that and it got deeper and deeper and deeper. And I said, I'm trying to read this thing like it's a novel. This is not a novel. This is a workbook. Yeah. But I backed up, got out the pencil, started making notes in the margins and rereading sections, rereading pages. A great work that moves us internally is going to require that kind of focus. You can't do it in seven minutes. No. And a lot of people will pick up a book and read the first chapter or two and think they understand the book. When most authors leave the more powerful content towards the end of the book. And so you've got to read the whole thing. That's good. Mike, you work with, I don't know how many different associates you have in your stores, how many baristas, how many total would you say there are now in the Bigby network? Well over 3000 for sure. All pursuing a life they love. But we're faced with this thing called the great resignation that has just happened, where lots of people leaving their jobs, not going back. But what would be some ideas you have in this particular market about not only retaining, but attracting and retaining great people that want to be with you for longer than just a J-O-B period of time? Yeah, right. So first of all, there's no short, in my opinion, there's no short fix. You know, I, I hear managers and, and leaders talking about pay rates. And, you know, you can pay somebody a dollar an hour more and it's not going to make a bit of difference in the world, in my opinion. The concept that I'm advocating and that I've been writing about, uh, I wrote an article in uh, Forbes about it just recently, which is that we need to, as leaders and managers, we need to make the investment first in the employee and then they'll determine whether what we're doing is worth their loyalty and if we make the investment first and we're up to great things within our organizations that they believe in, then they'll choose to become loyal and commit themselves to our company and to our purpose and to our cause of what, we're, uh, of what we do day in and day out. And it's just flipping the equation around. It used to be that uh, you know, as an employer, you would offer somebody a job and you would offer them some dollar amount per hour to show up to work and you expected loyalty. Well, I just gave you a great job. So you should be loyal to me because I offered you this great job. And 
I, I, th- that is, that is transitioning now where people are looking for more out of an employer and out of a, a, a company than just simply some dollar per hour and a few benefits and so on. They're actually looking for the company to invest in them as people, as an individuals and invest in their growth. It's what we were talking about earlier, investing in their growth and supporting them in building a life that they love. And then they will in turn become loyal to the organization. And then they will in turn talk to their network and their friends and, 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 their, and their people which will help you attract more people. So, so to me, we really need to take a long, hard look at what it means to be a manager and a leader. And the other thing I advocate is we need to develop our environments within our companies as nurturing and supportive places where people leave work more invigorated than when they showed up. They go home feeling better than when they got up in the morning. What we need to create is we need to create loving, supportive, nurturing environments for people to show up to. And I would argue that the great leaders over time, last you know, hundreds of years, the great leaders created these kinds of environments. We just didn't talk about it, but that's what made them great leaders. That's interesting. I'm sure when you talk to other business CEOs, they think you're talking heresy. Totally. Total heresy. Invest first. Are you out of your mind, Mike? What are you thinking? Yeah. But I'll tell you, the idea of labor being a transaction is where it's flawed. People and relationships are not transactions. Once you understand that, then you understand the concept of investing first, creating environments that are nurturing, that are supportive, uh, that are loving. This stuff is, is you know, again, I, w- I would argue all day long that great leaders have always done it. They've, we've just never called it. We've just called it great leadership. It's a really good point. You really view it as, as a compact, really, not, not an expectation. It's a compact. If we help you develop the skills that you need for the life you love, you're going to give back the loyalty, the focus, the energy, and in, in making that customer's life happier when they pop in to get their cup of for the day. Yeah. And we, we do a lot of work around creating the future with people and for people. And that means at times that people opt out. They'll decide they want to go open a cupcake store in Traverse City, Michigan, which, which has happened to us. And we pat them on the back. We tell them, hey, listen, uh, whatever we can do to support you, we, we thank them for their time and their energy and the service they gave us over the years they were there. And, and out the door they go. And, and like you said, a lot of managers would say that's heresy. But here's the magic. When you go through this visioning process with them and they create this concept for the future and they're including your company in that, that person becomes a superhero. That person becomes like this, this incredible, like you want to show up to work and work with that person every day because they're so fired up to be there. And, they, and the company is part of their life that they love in the future. And that's a beautiful thing. It sure is. You know, we, we work with college students in our business and the majority of them don't stay with us for a career, but we take such pride in calling them Southwestern alumni. So I think we have very similar shared philosophies there, Mike. Well, we graduate, we call it graduate. We graduate baristas, I mean, you know, at a pretty significant clip every year. Think of the power we could have when we're graduating thousands of baristas every year into the world. Imagine if we have them for a year or two and the positive impact we can have on them in that year or two, but imagine how that magnifies over two decades, the power of that. Yeah. You throw one stone in a, in a pond, you're going to get some ripples. You throw a thousand to two thousand a year in a pond, you're going to get a lot of ripples and they're going to change the world over time. Right. 
you know, Mike, a lot of our listeners, their lives right now, our lives, they love. Things are going in a great way for them. Got some other listeners, though, that are, are kind of stuck right now. You know, what would you recommend to somebody that just doesn't know what to do? They're, they're stuck either personally, financially, business-wise. Well, what I believe, you know, if I'm stuck in hearing this, I might, might look at this a little jaded, but I'll just tell you my philosophy. My philosophy is that we need to set what we internally in my organization refer to as our moonshot. You need to set that, that ultimate objective, that ultimate goal. Uh, you know, Michael Gerber calls it the primary aim out of the E-myth. Uh, um, Collins refers to it as the big, hairy, audacious goal, right? These things that are like, and so you, you first have to get really intimate with what is it that you want and, and then detail that, what that's going to be like in the end. Hmm. So for me, like when I talk about owning the Red Wings, I have 10 points that are very specific about what my life is going to be like when I own the Red Wings. And so I talk about climbing the, the jet walk to get on the airplane, to go to road, road games with the team and smelling the jet fuel and high-fiving the trainer as I get on board the plane. I talk about raising a banner into the rafters of, of the arena here in Detroit with the Illich name on it because they built this organization, right? That's the current owner. I, there's all these amazing details, but see what that does is it, that allows you to emotionally connect with that future, Whatever that future is, you're emotionally, spiritually connecting to it. And then when you dial it back into your current day-to-day, the circumstances that you're in today start to feel less binding and less relevant because you're emotionally connecting to this amazing future. And so, you know, I deal with all kinds of awkward things in my day, daily life of managing this business, right? Of course I do. But they never get me down. They never impact me They because, I mean, I could wake up today and be very frustrated over a laundry list of things in my life that are, that are difficult, but I'm all fired up about that first road trip I get to go on as the owner of the Red Wings whenever that happens. And that gets, keeps me going. I, I have this other vision of when I'm seven, I think it's 75 years old, I've written a vision that I'm in Orlando or Vegas in a huge ballroom. And I'm, I give my last keynote address to the Big B Nation and I'm retiring. And I, I give this my last address and I go and I sit down I just got chills thinking about it, that there's 10, 12, 15,000 people in the room. And I know that I have contributed to those people living a life that they love. That to me is, I cannot wait for that day, put an end cap on it. So I just got chills like that, but that's that beacon. It's that thing that is so powerful for you as a person, right? And, and if you don't have that, I think that it can become that your day-to-day can become very difficult and you're, you're letting the circumstances of your life today dictate your life going forward as opposed to attaching to a future reality that you've created and then living into that today so that that will manifest itself down the road. Mike, this is totally inspiring because it's not only about the big vision. Talked about having details, really visualizing specific moments, specific events, specific things that will happen when that occurs, because that helps us get past the muck that we may be surrounded by now, realizing that beacon has drawn us forward in such a good way. Never give up. You never give up, right? And, and you know, I think a big part of never giving up too, though, 
is never becoming complacent. And I'm not going to become a billionaire by doing what I'm doing every single day today, right? I got to take risks. I got to keep rolling the dice. I got to keep investing. I got to keep going. Otherwise, I mean, it's, you know, it's not just going to happen. It's not just going to automatically happen. So never giving up, but continuously doubling down, continuously going for it and never getting complacent. Time with you goes really, really fast, Mike. I hate that we have to call this to an end. I want to thank you so much because you shared more than business wisdom. You shared heart stuff with us and heart stuff is what's so key. You have an unselfish heart. You're a giver and you built so much into so many people and that's going to continue. I've only got one favorite ask. Yeah. Please, please tell the wingnuts to behave when they beat my predators. <laughs> yes, sir. I will. All right. <laughs> thank you. Mike. All right. Thanks. Take care. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.